Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Carbide Content. I'm one of your hosts, John, with Triaxis. Wow, that was very high energy. I am Dalen with MachineWise. I'm David with Contraption Collection. And I am the one and only Grant from Fellowship Blades. All right, fabulous. Who wants to go first? <laughs> you want to tell us about Blade Show, Grant? Yeah, I... Tell us all uh, the fun things we missed. Yeah, it, y'all missed... Uh, frankly, y'all missed a lot, because it... Yep. Uh, last Blade West was in California, and it was severely disappointing. Well, one of the reasons I didn't exhibit this Blade West was because California Blade Show was really just, like, weird, especially for the Balasong community. Yes, um, it was stressful, too. It, very stressful for you, Dalen, because uh-huh. <laughs> you were selling, which uh-huh. is... Yeah, the whole, whole situation. Um, but it was in Utah this time. Um, land of uh, Blade HQ and Eldon Tally and it seems like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And it was... It, what? I just said, oh, I didn't know those guys were there. Yeah, yeah. like Flytanium, Blade HQ, Eldon Tally, and somebody else. Axial. Ac- huh. Okay, yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of big names in Utah. Yeah, it's a surprising knife hub, but it was it was really popping. It definitely was still not as big as like Atlanta. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the uh, the energy level seemed a lot more, you know, ex- what I expected from a Blade show. Uh, and the Balasong crew, you know, everyone came out to play, and there were sprinters again, as like there is in Atlanta and stuff like that. Uh huh. So it was great, and I I loved getting to, to actually talk to everybody because, and I w- I wasn't working, so I kind of just hung around, got to to flip uh, the opus, which I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to go too crazy. This is not a review, but I like it better than the Seraph. So if anyone's listening to this, go buy the opus. This is um, financial advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, talk to talk to all the Balasong crew. I got to talk to Haystack, which I have not um, actually had a conversation with him before. Ah. And I rolled up to his table, and we were, I was just looking at his knives. I was like, "Oh, these are cool! Like, I, I think I've seen you around, you know, Instagram or whatever." And then he was like, "Where do I know you?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I make knives." He goes, "No, I don't know." And and he was like, "Oh, I listen to your podcast." And so <laughs> he's he's probably listening to Carbide Content right now. Nice. Um, and we got we got to talk a lot about hard milling, which was cool because he's doing stepped bevels like I am. Mm-hmm. And so we had a lot of similar issues. And he had an interesting uh, idea, which actually helped me a lot, where I was doing a lot to like fix surface finish uh, mm-hmm. through toolpaths and everything. And then I completely overhauled my air system and that helped a lot and stuff. But then he, what he said was his air blast, he doesn't blast the end mill, he blasts the part. So he focuses the air blast kind of like behind the end mill, but focused downward towards the part, cooling mm-hmm. off the blade instead of cooling off the end mill. Um, and he's getting a lot better surface finish. And so I started doing that, and it was literally like uh, any little scratches I had after I did all my stuff are now mirrors. And uh-huh. so complete, uh-huh. completely changed my process. And nice. that's, that's surprising. I mean, because I thought like both in terms of... Uh, like uh air, wear and tear on the end mill and surface finish you know i thought it's like whatever point is uh evacuating chips the fastest and maybe right. that is what's evacuating chips the fastest yeah well and that's kind of like i'm sure there's some like 
if we were able to slow mo it and watch the feed, like we could we can analyze it. But none of us are doing that, so who knows? Yeah. Um, but my theory is like because I was I was basically ninety degrees to the end mill, pointing towards the tip of the tool because the tip of the tool is what's cutting. And for one of my for the for one side of the blade, I start bevel or uh, bottom up, and I start milling from the bottom of the bevel to the top, whatever. Right. But it's milling on the same side as my air blast, which means my air blast, if it's trying to blast the tip of the tool, it's actually hitting the part, but it's glancing off the part and then kind of just going into nowhere. So by pointing the air blast below the end mill and at the part, like pointing downwards instead of sideways, I'm actually cooling the part and directing the air blast a lot better. Um, and so it seems to be working for me. So wasn't John, weren't you going to work on a through tool air? Yeah, I have the I have the thing set up for it. I just have had no time to actually implement it. And I don't think it's because it's going to take like half a morning to do it. I don't really yeah. have the time. I, for I'm it. really curious to see how through tool air changes I, it. I think through yeah. tool air has got to be amazing because you're getting air where it should be. Um, and and like I said, by pointing it down instead of sideways, it seems to help me. So that can only be more true with through tool air. Yeah, yes. like I always, all my stuff's pointing like probably at like a 45 or something. Yeah. It's so like I, you're saying it's like up and down versus you were like more side to side kind of. Yeah, I was at like a 90 and now I'm like a, uh, depending on which angle you take, I'm like 30 degrees from from the vertical of the tool. And so mostly pointed downwards. Yeah, with like coolant, I try to like, I try to like point stuff kind of more downwards because, uh, you know, if it's a different tool length, it's more likely to kind of, if, if you're more straight up and down, it's more likely to not miss, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that, that was a great conversation. Um, and I kind of talked to him a little bit throughout. And, and we also talked a lot about Cerakoting. And so I might end up doing mm. my aluminum bow song Cerakote instead of Anodize because he found a way to get a really nice matte texture on, alum- or on a titanium with Cerakote. And so I like, I don't like glossy aluminum anodizing. I would prefer to have it like a matte, more titanium feel. Um, so I'm going to okay. pers- pursue that route because um, my whole aluminum thing is trying to make an aluminum knife that doesn't feel like aluminum. And it's, <laughs> it's a headache. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, JK had uh, some interesting hole patterns for his embargoes, which were nice. Got to, I bought a solo because I've been wanting a solo since Blade East. And nice. I was able to finagle one with Joe. Um, let's see. Paul had all the Cerrone stuff. It seemed like Paul did okay uh, with the Cerrone things. Definitely, like, just the size of uh, the show is def- just kind of hurts everyone's, like, selling in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of the Balsong guys still had Balsongs left over. Which like I was gonna say, I bet it's less attendees than California, which is like the most populated state. Yeah, and well, mm-hmm. so well, so it's California is about the same as California, um, okay. but it, but it's still like California was a small show compared to Atlanta. Oh yeah, well yeah, um, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I was thinking, I've lost my train of thought on that, but yeah, so <laughs> that that seemed pretty good. Uh, a lot of the big companies had boost out blade hq had their own like hangout couch area and they were doing a lot of cool stuff 
Nice. Um, shout out to my boy Tanner. He won, or he, he got second place in the Valley Comp, which was oh, very nice. phenomenal. Nice. Um, got to hang out and talk to him pretty much the whole weekend. And he he was going to car camp in a parking lot. And I was like, dude, I have a hotel. Come sleep on my floor. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to let you do that. that was nice um, well, yeah, it, you know, and, and kind of an excuse for, for me to like, get to talk to him more and, and keep up with him because he's he is a truly brilliant guy and i i very much um I, I admire him and i very much appreciate having conversations because he's very much more business minded um like he's not a machinist or anything but he's he's got a, like a lot of side hustles and they're incredibly successful huh. and and he's on a marketing brain kind of level where i'm just not um, and so we got to talk a lot about kind of cool stuff, both in the Balasong world and just business sense, um, which is what inspired me today to to kind of look into surface surface engraving. I don't know what you would actually call it. It's not surfacing, but engraving patterns and stuff like that for grip. Um, yeah, I got to talk with Tyler from uh, Flytanium. He's one of their machinists. Oh, and nice. we just, yeah, chatted up. I think he... Yeah, technically, don't tell anybody. He bought a Medusa from me. Um, <laughs> I, I accidentally sold two knives at the show, and I shouldn't have, but it was good. Uh, I don't really think that's brown bagging. Yeah, it, I mean, it. I wasn't trying to brown bag, and it's just like if you traded a knife at the show, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, I I didn't think anyone would get too mad yeah. at me, but I think it's intention. Yeah, that's definitely like if I was going around trying to sell it to people at the booth or whatever, that's a whole different mm-hmm. thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's always just great to talk to a lot of like a lot of the ballet community and the maker community that just you haven't seen in a while. Um, like Indiana and John got to hang out more. Um, oh, nice. He was there. Yeah, I, I wish the rest of the ballet guild were there, but I think he was the only one that came out. Um, okay. Got to got to hang out with Drew a little bit, bought a knife off him. His, uh, uh, Drew Drew Lininger, I don't know if you guys are following him. Um, he made this incredible Damascus Persian fighter, and I I just couldn't let it go, so I bought it. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Just great, great show. The ballet comp was cool. I I missed it, but I got to live stream it. Um, and it it was an interesting vibe compared to Atlanta because one is in Utah, so it's way more casual just because like everything's close. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's a 10 minute drive from the airport, which is incredible for, oh, wow. for like attending a show. Um, and so like everyone after the show, like w- there was a black rifle coffee did like a after show hangout or whatever, which was interesting. Um, it wasn't really my vibe, but we went and hung out for a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, just, just solid, solid blade show. Nice. That's kind of the, the gist of it. I almost drove up on an impulse Friday night, but I did not. Oh, you should have, dude. I, if you texted me, I would have convinced you. <laughs> if my car was running, I would have. Oh, no. Is it? Is it running now? No. Oh, God. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Temporary. <laughs> yep. I hope so. But, well, uh, yeah. yeah. How was, how was y'all guys this week? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do tell, John. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Tell me about the, the beautiful hexagonal thing that you've done yeah a, a deck deck octagonal deck decacon how do you oh, say is it like 12 is it more than eight i never actually no, counted 10, 10 yeah wow yeah 
You'd think that would be easy by just patterning everything around, but the thing has fought me on every single step of really? the way. Yeah, Why? So was, well, Saturday I was like, I'm not happy with the blade fixture. I'm going to design yep. a new one. Okay. So, oh, no. Yeah, so I did that, and then I like gathered scrap around the shop for the uh-huh. steel plates, and I was like, this will work. So, of course, you're like, here's a piece of 4130. Here's a piece Yo. of 4140. You're like man sawing them up. The cuts aren't straight. Yep. <laughs> Stuff's flying out of vices. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I can't remember what happened, but oh, yeah. There's these. I put the locating dowel pins by accident in the first op in the vice. And they were supposed to be held. There was, I was supposed to wait till they go onto the actual tombstone and then you machine them in place. So, you know, they're okay. actually located yeah. properly. Mm-hmm. So I did. I made like five of these plates. Uh, yeah, I think I made five of them. So it took like, you know, a couple hours, six hours or whatever. And I was like, man, these are perfect. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. So had to throw all those away. And then, oh, gosh. Had, yeah, I had to wait till Tuesday for McMaster to deliver me some fresh bar. Yep. That was sweet. Um, so I, they're 4140 annealed because the heat treat had a weird lead time of like two weeks or three weeks. Interesting. Yeah. And I was like, this is fine. Annealed will be fine. It's going to be better than the aluminum that's on there. So I started working on the plates on like Tuesday. They were going really good because I'd finally like actually buttoned down like, uh, you know, the weird little issues that you don't catch Uh when you're in a rush. And then they go on the fixture. Uh, Let's see. Speaking of not breaking form taps, I broke a form tap. Oh, oh fantastic. Tombstone. Yeah, and it's because the square that was the old tombstone, I milled into the 10-sided shape, and then what happened was I there was a nick from one of the bores that was left over that I was like, it'll be fine. The drill's not going to hit it kind of thing. <laughs> well, of course, the drill cut the very corner of it and walked pretty far because it's like a just a jobber length drill oh my god you got a and, spot drill yeah and no it was it was spot drill too and oh. the spot drill is really big so it actually was spotted in the right place but the drill walked away but it was like wow there's um there's 60 10 32 holes or uh tapped holes on the whole oh. thing so oh like after gosh. the first 15 i was like okay it's fine uh-huh. <laughs> i'm like across the room and i hear i heard like a noise and I was like, I was like, oh, that was that was probably just the chip auger or whatever, because it makes sense. <laughs> and like five minutes later, I'm like walking by and I notice there's, you know, nothing at the end of where a tap should be. And I was like, oh, great. oh that's what that noise was. Oh, yeah. yep. So dealt with that. And then once I sort of got that figured out, actually, it's not figured out because I stripped the hole out this afternoon. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I put the plates on, so they're basically like two ops, and then the third op is going to get machined in place, so they're like very located, if you will, to where they're yep. supposed to be. Yep. So well, I machined them. Yes, David. Well, I, uh, I mean, I could let you finish, but uh, like I wanted to hear more like an explanation of, of how this fixture works better than the old idea, like the uh, ten-sided versus four-sided. I mean, part of it's well, obvious, but you know, that's the best part. I'm not sure yet. So, <laughs> so okay. I, put these, I put these steel plates on and I machine them. Right. And I'm like, OK, I need to take it off because I'm just going to like swap the there. Basically, two plates are this. There's four plates that are the same. And then there's six plates that are like 
a mirrored version with a boss to catch the backside of the bevel okay. to like support it, if that makes any sense. So they are yeah. different, but they can be sort of patterned. And I like machined one and I go to take it off to like put in another fresh plate or whatever. And I'm like, why is this not coming off? Like it fit on perfect. And I realized there was stress or something in the material and it bowed right in the center and it got locked against the dowel pins that we're originally holding. <laughs> yeah, that's why I thought the annealed might end up being a better choice. Yeah, so so that was fun. And then I ended up like, it had four holes to bolt the thing down and then like you'd machine in place. So what I did was I bolted it down with the four holes and then I made a fifth hole that was like another tap 1032 into the tombstone. And mm-hmm. before I machined the like the actual material out of the to the, like final depth, I secured it like with this middle bolt. So it basically just forced it down, and then it was machined in that position. And I didn't take them off. They're not supposed to come off. They're literally just like if you faced an aluminum thing with yep. steel was the idea. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh. So yeah, that was like it seemed like every single thing I do- would do would result in some sort of rework or whatever <laughs> yeah but one of the new blades that came off of it is in the tumbler so we'll see how um, that goes how's so, it looking so far pre-tumble uh, the machine like it actually came out pretty good i am toying with the idea of getting a jig grinder what do you call them it's just cbn on a mandrel like a carbide shank cbn so, on a mandrel okay so the like grinder wheels that everyone that is kind of popular uh-huh. that people have been using to grind blades, like they're CBN. The What's that? The thin bit grinding wheels or whatever. I think so. Um, Shars like Shars sells one that some people use. Oh, okay. uh, I think it's like a two inch diameter and it's CBN plated. So you can't, if it's plated, you can't dress it because plated yeah. just means, mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like impregnated or glued or whatever. I'm not really sure. Right. Um, so because of the way the hollow grind is on the blade, I can't just get a straight, really wide, like two inch grinder. Otherwise, I'd love to do that. Right. Oh, your hollow grind. OK. Yeah. So you can't you can't really do it unless you have like simultaneous fourth and there was no clamp in the way kind of thing. And so what I'm going to try to do is get a smaller one and actually use it like a normal end mill. The issue is the I don't have RPM. So you kind of want to get like an inch wide one to sort of be okay, but you're still you're still off by like 20k RPM basically. Yeah. The right surface footage. But I'm going to give it a shot anyways. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but as far as the hard milling goes, that's going fine. I don't know. I'm never like It's like the finish is really good, but the problem with, you know, human eyes is they pick up everything, so Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so let's just I'm just trying to get basics because I'm dumb. Uh, can oh, no, you fit more blades on this style than uh, the four sided? All right. So when I posted the like original designer and was like, man, that's a lot of blades. It's only two. <laughs> what? How? <laughs> because it's 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 five ops on the top. Nice. Well, but so that's more ops then. Yeah, yeah. So the reason it's like that is because of the way the clamps are, and I didn't want to have to stop the machine. I think I explained this last week. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to stop the machine just to put on a a clamp for, like, a four-minute op kind of thing. Yeah. I just want to 
leave it. So I was like, well, I have the tombstone. You can just, if you can fit it on a side, you can just turn that into an op. Like, it's not a big deal. So that's what I ended up doing. It seems to work better. I, I, I didn't really gain any more clearance just because of the way things are spaced. And now you have, uh, you know, 10 blades. The reason I went to this instead of the square is because I would like, do an op and I'm like man it'd be nice if this was separated into another op and I started like bandaging it together mm. and then I was like I'm gonna have to mirror this to the other side and then also have to probe it like actually have like WCS's for everything and it's gonna be a complete disaster so I'm like I'm just gonna restart with these I with the ideas that I had kind of thing so yeah I mean I've I've wanted to make something like that before like mm. a a, a tombstone with a ton of sides yeah uh, because i mean i don't know i uh i can't imagine having to do five ops but i mean either way it seems it seems like a win it also seems like you know hopefully not one of those things where it's like perfectionism and and like you know you could have kept going with what you had and it wouldn't you know hopefully it's worth worth the improvement yeah i mean I could have, but at the same time, you wouldn't have been able to leverage the spindle time, is the thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, it's, I wish it wasn't the way it is, but the designer made it the way it is. <laughs> and unfortunately, I hate that guy. He's always giving me props, too. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I have my opinions about him. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but the, the flat palettes and stuff, man, those are working good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and the the clips, oh, those are those are real good. Those are nice. actually like only thirty minutes per clip type thing. So and they're good. You finished all your uh, crazy deburring with the clips. Yeah, it's like everything else is good. It's it's always the blades that seem to be the hard thing, but mm-hmm. all the other parts are coming off like super super good. And then today I was working on like an actual macro to do the detent press for the bottom mm-hmm. handles. And I don't know anything about macro programming or really programming in general. So that was. Uh, so so you, is that like uh, putting in a detent ball? Yeah. So the detent ball, like I've been tracking the detent ball. It gets pressed with a. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's a it's a steel shank from something that I basically put a little dimple, a bus, a bore into. Like it's like okay. if you took a. If like you a took detent? a detent ball and put it into something, that yeah. hole that's left. A detent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Pretty, pretty hard to explain. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm using to push a ball into a detent. Nice. And um, the distance is very important, I found out, as far as not tuning goes, but just repeatability on feel per knife. Yep. So what I've been doing is actually deprinting ha- how far it's pressed in versus or compared to a surface that's set in Z. It's basically a WCS that's specific for this measurement. So it's just the deviation between the face of the handle to the top of the ball, if that makes any sense at all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to. I basically want that repeatable. And the issue is, you bore a hole, and for like on on mine, they're fifty eight thou for a one sixteenth uh, ceramic ball. 
Mm-hmm. And then what's happened is like if you bore it slightly wider than, you know, like a tenth or two or three, and you press it using the exact same parameters as last time, it's going to press to a different depth because right. There's probably deeper. how are you measuring that bore? If it's it's pretty small. Like do you have gauge pins that go in tenths? Yep. Yep. So gauge pins. Okay. Do you yeah. uh, deck off the top of your detent ball? Yes. With a okay. yep. And because it's ceramic, it's a diamond. Uh, it's a diamond coated. I guess it's it's not CBN. It's whatever diamond. Whatever the other one is. The CB is it CBD or is that marijuana? That's marijuana. Yes, <laughs> but I always confuse well, them, so I got you. DLC is diamond like coating, but I just assume it's CBN. like a grinding bit. Master, well, so. well, CBN is like cubic boron nitride or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, deck it off to flat. What I'm not doing yet is probing that and checking that height because that's oh. doesn't seem to be as important and that repeats a lot better because essentially once it's pressed to height, you're looking at the how far was the tool actually set on the tool setter kind of thing. Right. And then. You can check it because obviously like if you do it in the morning and then you do it at night after a full day run, then the machine's grown. So you do have that kind of distance. But I've noticed that you can have that kind of deviate by like one or two thou and that's okay. But the actual the detent itself that with the press that that sets the width of the ball against the actual detent hole. And that's why it's important. And the flat is more for it's a clear mechanical feel. Yeah. Yeah. Or the actual sliding uh, action. Okay. Yeah. And so the macro, like, it works, but I tried to check as many cases as I could, and I tried to make sure that if I left the machine running and there was, like, a fringe case, would it continuously update itself into the table? <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, you got to check your loops. Yeah, so it seems to have, it seems to work, but... I don't know. Okay. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just smashing stuff together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's been my, I don't know. That reminds me, you were talking about, uh, you mentioned uh, G-Code editor Dalen uh, the other day in Discord. And uh, I, I've used one of those, but it was so long ago and so specific and brief. And I can't even remember. Uh, so I wanted to know what you were more of what you were doing. Oh, yeah. So the one I brought up, it was just a little like a little NC plotter style thing. It was I think it's called Camtonics. It's free. Um, It's pretty useful if you're doing any like like hand modifying, if you're like stitching two programs together like I had to do it. It'll just let you visualize the program to make sure it's fine. Mm. Um, But it doesn't support any macro programming, which is really a bummer. Also, it doesn't support multiple work offsets. Um, G Wizard, which is the one that you linked by CNC cookbook. That yeah. one does support both of those things. However, it costs money and it's borderline uh, malware. Oh, God. <laughs> the email spam um, is that's that's pretty wild. The email spam is bad, but the, the actual software itself, if you get the trial and then it expires, the only way to close the software after you've opened it oh, or no. it, it, every time you close it, it will forcibly open a page on your web browser to the to like the payment section to to buy it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Even I if think you I force kill it. I think it still brings up that web page. Wow. I think I bought it 
when I was like in machining school. Yeah, it's a really having useful some weird thing. I can't remember, but I've I also have used their G Wizard speeds and feeds thing, and uh, that worked pretty good for a long really? time. I, well, I mean, I I liked it. I think okay, there's better. I I don't I don't think I don't know if you would get much out of it or not. Uh, but as a beginner and stuff, I liked it. Okay. Uh, however, uh, I've tried to look at it, you know, fairly recently. And it uses like Adobe Air or something weird. And oh. uh, it just like, it, it just like, I can't get it to update and I can't like re download it because it thinks I already have it downloaded uh. once with the associated email address or something weird is like caused it to lock itself out. And so, That's odd. I don't know. The stuff is hmm. good, but it could be better. Yeah. I like a FS Wizard. There's like a full, I think it's. <laughs> HSM something is like the full desktop app, but the okay. FS Wizard is like just an app. It's like this kind of just the side, like smaller version. Mm-hmm. And it's like five or six dollars, I think. And oh, it's that's okay. just what I've been using. And it works. I was expecting it's, hundred or thousand at the end of that five or six. No, no, it's and I've used it all the time, actually, like regardless. It yeah. has, I don't know. It's it's simple enough and it gets the yep. job. Done, so. Yeah, what I really want is, I mean, like G-Wizard. I want something that's like G-Wizard, but, but I don't know, not malware. Yeah. I um, mean, if you pay for it, I don't think it has the problem you're talking no, about. No, it's it's clearly it doesn't, yeah. I'm just um, jabbing at him a little bit. but Also, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just say specifically, something that supports macro programming and, uh, and multiple work offsets would be really nice. So I thought you guys were talking about like trimming G code, right? Is that Infusion then, or is that? Oh yeah, not? there's Infusion in the cam section of Fusion. There's this wonderful little tool called Trim Toolpath. Pretty awesome. It's it's amazing. I think I've heard of it, but I haven't used it yet. You do you have ever... to pay for it, I think. Yeah, uh, so, oh, yeah. I I have a trial going. I've only used it twice. If it's only a couple hundred extra dollars, I'm probably just going to keep it enabled. Oh, yeah. Okay. Have you guys ever had a toolpath where it's almost perfect and then there's like one little move that is super not great? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, trim toolpath. It makes that one little move go away and keeps everything else. Yeah, there's quite a few handy tools in the extension. Yep. And yeah. But it's and the so more axes you get into. Yeah, it's. <laughs> it used to use cloud credits. There's like 75 cloud credits, which is a it's, lot of money. The, the cloud credit thing and like. This is my opinion. But if you have credits, like it's just a way to basically pull money from people. Why is it, it not mm-hmm. just it costs this much? Yeah. And that's know. how much it costs. The credit thing is like I hate the credit thing. No, yeah. it's like Microsoft it's a, points on old Xbox them. Live or something. Yep. It's yeah. like NetBeans. Yeah. What, it's, what's, what's crazy to me about that entire thing is like college students have unlimited cloud credits. I know. And and I was I took so advantage of that when I was in college. Yo, yeah, I Yo. lost access to it like two weeks ago. So I'm oh like, no, I'm uh, like I didn't have those tools anyways. Just forget about those things. Well, see, I was see, running the free for so long. Yeah. What what I think happens with big companies like Autodesk or all these modern tech companies is they're like, we need to have everything as cheap as possible as long as possible. Because we just got to get the biggest market share possible. And mm-hmm. then we'll figure out how to make money after we have the biggest market share possible. Oh, yeah. And then it kind of happens and his works, their plan works. But then at some point, someone's like, oh, we're losing like $500 million a year on this. Uh, okay, let's just slap some crap together. Okay, mm-hmm. 
the price is double and we're doing all these weird breaking apart. And it's just like, you know, that's kind of an important part of a business is figuring out uh, how you price things. Yep. Um, says the person who hasn't figured out how to price things. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yep. So maybe someday Autodesk will figure it out or it'll become a mess and we'll have to find something else. Right. I hope Fusion sticks around. I do like Fusion. Yeah, I do too. I mean, Fusion's really good for the price. It's just, it's like every, it's like everyone there. You want yeah. profit over, you want profit every single quarter. You're going to have to start squeezing somebody. I, yeah. I don't think it's, it's uh, happens. I don't know if it's the best 3D modeling software ever. It's very uh, competent at least. But it's better than most cam software that I've used that costs way more. Yeah, I, I mean, I yeah, love for... the cam side of Fusion. I do yeah. too. It's my it's my favorite cam side. It may not be the most powerful, but with good post processors, it can be pretty powerful. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like people will say, it, obviously, like Mastercam is more powerful, but Mastercam you also have to use Mastercam. Yep. It's also and awful. Not as fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I was going to say, Esprit is also one of the most powerful, but I think I'd rather stare at like a drywall of paint for days on end. Yeah, if I never yeah, see Mastercam ever again. <laughs> I like Gibbscam. Gibbscam is pretty. Gibbscam is the worst, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dalen, how's your week? <laughs> My week? Um, I feel like I'm in a never-ending cycle of mediocrity. Oh, I feel that. Yeah, me yeah. too. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, I'm back onto the bandwagon of everything is burning and hard-milled blades are failing. Oh, no. Um, <sighs> I found I found some, some slight finish issues in the tips of my blades on the Opus blades mm-hmm. today, like an hour before I left the shop, and it's fucking spiraled. Ugh. Um... And so I'm desperately trying to get those working. What's uh? What are they doing? Um. So there's a lot of different things that it could be, but um, I'm well, what's getting the problem. Sorry, I'm getting ghosting in my finish. Okay, it's the ghosting looks as if I roughed it with like a 3D adaptive, and then so like the ghosting is lines going perpendicular to my finish. Oh, when I've had this, yeah. In re- when every single toolpath that touches that bevel is in the exact same direction every single time. That's right. wild. I, have I actually pre- use the same the same toolpaths to rough, semi-finish, and finish. Yeah. Just with stock to leave. I've seen this, and it's like almost like a weird phenomenon where it's almost like, is that like the magnetic lines of the steel <laughs> or something? It's like yeah, I think super, it's my machine. super strange yeah, sometimes. I, I think it's my um I think it's the follow error of the servos trying to catch up with each other. Um I, I yeah. Um again, more stuff I don't know what I'm talking about. I think on some machines, at least Haas, you can choose different settings where you can go into like setting one and it's like more optimized for surface finish and one's oh, more I'm optimized. In that. Yeah. Wait, look what's ahead. That? Look ahead is it's called look ahead, or I think Fanook's uh, keyword for it is like AIPC. 
it's artificial it intelligence. Changes, like, something. It changes uh, how fast the servos like Correct. accelerate and decelerate, right? Yeah. Well, what it actually does is it, it looks farther ahead in your code, and it it, it looks at the moves. I, I, it, it processes more code ahead what, of time. So what David then, is talking about is actually different. Yeah, I, I don't it? think those are exactly yeah. the same. It it has to do with like um, what is it for at least for Haas and this it's the only reason like I obviously I only know because of because I have one but like P one or whatever for for smoothing just allows the thing to basically take really wide cuts or whatever and basically accelerate past the corner if it wants to mm-hmm. but when you go to P three it forces the servos or whatever the control to actually follow the toolpath as close as possible kind of thing. And yep. then there's also like if you do like P1 like 05, that changes the smoothing value of the actual the way it interprets it. So you have like the issue sometimes is like you have stuff out of fusion, which is like your tolerance. And then if yep. you're using smoothing, and then you have whatever your machine's doing, which is sometimes very hard to verify because you know there's no software attached to it. But yeah, it could be like a million things. Is it possible? So this is at the tip of the blade. I mean, I know it's it's from several things, um, but it's happening at the end of the blade, right? It's, it's throughout the entire bevel, specifically at the starts of the tool path, which is I'm, which is well, that's kind why of I saying think it's, is, the, is, it's the it, it's the acceleration. It, it, so it's it's where the machine might be changing direction, or starting and stopping, or or not. Correct. It's the machine motion. Yeah. Okay. It's the acceleration and the is and it, the follow error. Is it like right on the the edges, or is it the whole thing? Uh, it gets better as it goes up, but um, it is it, it is definitely from the the acceleration follow error. Yeah. What toolpath um, are you using? Yeah, the parallel. Yeah. With <clears throat> as much point density as I can muster in it. And. Um, uh... But I mean, yeah. To answer your question, yes, I d- I do have the um I have the positioning accuracy uh, call out or like like set as high as possible. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's what's weird is there's all this stuff when you and again I don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, there's all sorts of weird stuff with machine controls where surface finish and accuracy aren't the same thing. No, they're not. Uh, like you can't just make your machine as accurate as possible and it automatically also makes everything right. a mirror finish. If it's as, no. If it's as accurate as possible, then you might even start seeing like the tessellation in the in the three D tool paths from the individual points. Yeah. So you just need to turn on the mirror finish feature in your uh, in your control. That that's oh, the gosh, one I'm missing. I'm so stupid. I forgot to press <laughs> the the make good parts button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, CNC machines do all the work. We <laughs> we suck. Not like those hand yeah. people make them by hand. So yeah. so in your in your credit, Dalen, I just Fanix actually you were talking about they combine it into look ahead and then Haas separates it from like a quick Google search. That's why. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's so like for the Fanook the the high speed modes and like smoothing, all of that yeah. is kind of built into one, mm. one system. Yeah. It appears if it's enabled, it, it already looks ahead as far as it can, basically. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, so, I, I am on R10, which is the positioning accuracy has priority over toolpath speed. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, until you get a Kern, maybe the only solution will be to find something else that isn't ideal, uh, but is, is good enough. So do you think like if you tried, uh, 
some different kind of tool path. It might, you know, be a lower surface finish, but it wouldn't have the ghosting and maybe it's a good trade-off. There's been ghosting in every single bevel, every single hard milled tool path on this machine. Uh-huh. This machine um, specifically then? This I've I've only ever hard milled on this machine, at least for mm-hmm. machine wise. Because it's it's all machine wise can afford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, I I'm 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 just I'm attributing it to machine motion, essentially. There are some things that I noticed on these blades that that are attributing to it. Um the the bevel support is not fully contacting the tip, which means right. I need to uh, I need to I need to bring the bevels up a bit more. I, I need to, you know, do some compensation on the tool paths to make it contact better on the bevel supports. Things like that. Um, yeah. That, but, that, yeah. that is like as far as like you're talking about the boss, right? That supports the the bottom side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw probably a thou or two worth of light just in the very tip when I was start when I started digging into things oh, that, that were causing my issue. It. It's, yeah, I mean, that's it's part of it. It it won't solve it completely, but that is part of it. That's it, like it could a, just be chatter. It's not even. You could just call that chatter, basically. It's not chatter. Uh, uh, have you? So, uh, what I want to say before I forget this: if yeah. you take um, what is it called? The stuff they use for engine building, the putty that oh, I saw Grimso do this distances. What is it called? It's the stuff that they put in between, like like rod bearings to check clearances. Yeah, and it squeezes out, and then you yeah, it's um, it's the little plastic strips. I don't know if they're called, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I can put that underneath it, and I can squish it. Yeah, I've tried. I've, yeah. <laughs> I've tried Play-Doh too. Which, <laughs> by the way, before anyone tries this, and no one else is going to try this, it's it's like wheat based, so coolant just eats it. Oh, uh, uh, yep. yes. Hey, where'd my support go? <laughs> uh huh. Yep. Um, but yeah, like that's super frustrating too, because it's like same thing on the the tombstone. It's like you machine mm-hmm. these these bosses in with it at an angle, but you're doing it like another material. And you don't know how well it represents the thing you actually spit out yeah, because exactly. the tool is going to cut more or less because it's not hard steel. Yep. And then you're just kind of guessing. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, like on tool paths like mine or um, or Grant's, we have a stepped finish, which means our our final geometry is not too oh, yeah. proper size technically. Yeah. If anything, it should be oversized because of cuspite. Yeah. <clears throat> so and. Uh, so yeah, I have to I have to dial that in a little bit this weekend just to make do you contact. Do, like, do, you, do you do a rough and like a semi finish, or do you just like rough finish? I think rough semi finish finish. Okay. How much do you leave before the finish? One. Wow, my throat. One thou. One thou. Yeah. Which I, realistically ends up being more like five. Uh, right. How big uh, is my machine is a BT30. I feel like I feel like that's not enough, but I I don't know. What's the tool diameter for eight your semi and semi? Okay, it's eight inch for all of it. Eight inch ball and mill. I mean that is that is close to the one to two percent call out that a lot of uh, studies actually call out when you hard mill. Okay. So yeah, I've I've stopped reading any of that information because it was never helpful for me. Yeah, well, it says like if you're hard milling, you want to for your 
your final, you want to have one to two percent cutter diameter left as stock okay. to leave, and obviously uh, okay. you want it as equal yep. as possible. Yeah, well, but I'm actually doing is- a skim pass afterwards. By the way, I'm doing a spring pass. Wait, why? Oh, uh, because without it, it looks like sh- garbage. A oh, spring that's, pass that's hard milling. Really, really yep. interesting. Mm-hmm. If I don't spring pass it, it looks like absolute garbage. Really? Mm-hmm. And I and, and I have to do it with coolant. Oh. What? Yep. I, or this or seems... it's just gray and gross. You do your your non spring pass finish pass with coolant or with air? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The all finishing passes, well, all finishing passes on bevels for hard milling have to be with coolant on my machine. Right. Same mm-hmm. here, frankly. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's wow. the most wow. frustrating thing ever. That's yeah, that seems really surprising. I mean, you guys probably have many more hours of definitely have many more hours of hard milling than me, but I would have I would have thought you'd want like two, three, four thou or something. I mean, it's a little different because you're using such a small end mill. Yep. Uh, and then uh I would hope that if, if things are working right, you could use air. Uh, but I've struggled to use air as well. I get better tool life with air. I get worse finishes with air. Yeah. yeah. No, that's exactly mm-hmm. it. Definitely, definitely yep. true. Yep. Not, but yeah, like, like, I have to do a spring pass. It's the most frustrating thing. Because I'm just wasting tool life with a spring pass. Yeah. Have I'm you tried sure. talking to, like, uh, manufacturers and, yep. like, asking? I've tried Harvey several times, and they have nothing for me. They say I'm doing an amazing job. <laughs> and you had a consultant come out, right? From I did. From Harvey. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They came out, and that that was. I like. I love Harvey, but uh, boy, that was um, a very useless visit. Mm. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I love, I, I, Harvey makes cool tools and good quality, but uh, I don't know if they're the right tool for everything. Like maybe there's someone out there who's who's even more specialized in in blade type milling applications. Well, well, I mean, to be fair, milling bevels is literally the wrong way to do it. <laughs> like, this is a grinding that, job. That's true. We got to get ourselves a, a grinder. I don't fully agree there. Oh, you really? Steps. So, I mean, like, you can definitely call that for milling, but as far as, like, a smooth finish, I totally agree. <laughs> Hard milling well, should, is not something that should be this difficult. I totally yeah, but like rigidity is what lends itself to hard milling. Or yeah, I mean, I don't have the rigidity. I mean, my my spring pass is probably taking off two to three thousand still. Yeah, that like that's whether it's machine or work holding or bevel geometry. Like all of that is is a big like a mold making nightmare if they were hard milling, <laughs> right? I'd rather be milling giant molds because at least then I have thousands of pounds of material supporting itself. Yeah, yeah, comparatively, I mean, I've not mold made, but uh, comparatively, it, with rigid work holding, like that's that's easy. Like you can mm-hmm. get mirrors where yeah. we're doing it on literally a diving board that we're trying to yep. support with with magic and yep. hope. And, and I'm on dreams. a I'm on a hollow grind now that goes to ten thou. It's definitely hope. <laughs> You're going yep. to ten thou. I'm going to ten thou on a hollow grind, and and that ten thou is actually a tangent point for the hollow. Uh, well, yeah, well, that's how mine was too. Um, I don't go to ten though. I think I'm at fifteen or yeah, okay. I'm at fifteen. Yep. Oh, so uh, it's real thin back there, not, and it's thin for a while. Not that it's a competition or anything, but I got to beat because <laughs> mm-hmm. there's seven thou, and then the, nice. the first oh the god sixty two thou I think is flat. Awesome. Yeah. Or it's like very close to parallel. Beautiful. 
it's it's slicey. It's slicey, that's for sure. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm yeah, doing twenty five yeah. thou about. <laughs> I just tw- twenty five. That's pretty. That's that's a thick boy. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it looks good as scissors though to have like. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. But like honestly, I'd rather I'd rather go back to a smooth bevel like John's doing. I I feel like I could probably get some really good results again, but I've like locked into the stupid forty five degree bevel angle thing now. Hang on, no, you're not. You you have any like you've barely started production of the opus. You are not locked into that. People are gonna riot if I if I go back to smooth bevels. No, dude, you think someone's like my seventh opus is different. Like you could do whatever you want, and it'll probably like. I can. I I also like the forty five degree. I feel like me going back to smooth is just is just me Pop giving out. up. Yeah, and I refuse to give up. I think it could like, like I think one thing we should talk about more is like what is our value proposition. Like th- that's kind of that? <laughs> my value proposition is going insane at the expense of good parts. Yeah, I've done I one s- of those two I things. I screamed so far. a lot to deliver this to you. I hope you've me. <laughs> I've done more than just scream. <laughs> yeah, sure. Our, yeah. our craftsmanship is uh, is part of it, but part of the craftsmanship can also be that, like, it's not perfect. It's not every single single part is identical. You know, that's how it should be, though. For me, in my eyes, I'm a production shop. If every I, part I can, isn't I appreciate that. Like, of each other. That I'm not I'm doing a, it I'm right. a perfectionist as well. Like, I um, I just think like I'm not saying like oh, just forget the ghosting. Just everything has ghosting, and people uh, should be happy because it proves it was made not in China or something. Uh, but what I'm saying is like if you experiment and you try like different angles on different blades, like, and it's just you try a different tool and it's just like a slight difference. I think in a way that that could even be a good thing more than a bad thing because it it shows like hey we're always improving everything's a little unique you know everything's you know you know it's like it it's it's putting your soul into it and I, and i think that's okay i don't think you have to feel like locked into every single thing i mean that's what i do essentially um i'll just sell them all as blems well okay but, and, uh, and that's what I'm saying. i don't i don't know if they all need to be blems when it's like if it's not perfect a it's microscopic a error yeah, I well, mean, I've, the the my, ghosting or anything on the on the bevel, I'm like, okay, I know how much work was into this, but uh, go away. Let's try yeah. again. Yeah, no, I'll I'll throw parts away or sell them as I mean, well. Actually, the parts I sell as blends are parts that I didn't throw away, but still aren't perfect. Right. It you may want to put uh get your sandblaster back up and working and I, see where's I that automatic wanna... sandblaster tumbler? You guys are supposed to have two of them now. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Well, I don't I, love I blasting hard in the process. I I agree, but like for for while you're figuring this out, it'll make a blim into a perfect part just because it completely acid wash does that too. Well, okay, that's fair. That's valid. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Usually, acid wash does that. Yeah. Usually, if if blasting will do it, acid wash I have found will do it too. Fortunately. Okay, that's a good point. I yep. same same then. Um, See, that yeah. that might be the the way to go. Is is you do acid wash for a while, and. uh Helps you pay for uh, helps you pay for the the kern. What's that? Gosh, the kern. That's like ten years out. I know. I'm I'm being hyperbolic, but yeah, yeah. The concepts apply. Yeah. Helps you pay for the automatic sandblaster. Right. (laughs) So yeah, back to blade hell, which I don't know. That's a very comfortable place for me. It seems because I'm there a lot. Damn blades. Damn blades. (laughs) 
Um, on a, I guess, happier-ish note, I've been shoving keyway cutters through titanium the last two days. Nice. Is is that a, you're happy about that? It's god awful. Oh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it works. Uh, it's not right. fun to do though. It's it's I, the scariest thing I've ever done. Okay, so I was talking to Lucas about this because um, uh-huh. he he asked me. I was like, he, he was like, "Hey, why are you not keyway cutting your Medusas?" And I am I am more steadfast now that we talked about it that the times are the same because yes, you have one less op, but like that's what pallets are for, you know. Like if if it's the same time, what are you really gaining? No, it's I not the like same the, time you if you're him because he's doing like a thousand. A month or something, I'm sure. So what do you having to change out pallets, uh, you know, a hundred well, cards so off one pallet to another. In aluminum, keyway cutting is infinitely faster. Right. Yes, absolutely. That, that's There's, true. Yeah. He's probably, we're he, talking about Lucas from Squid Industries. He's probably not making that many tsunamis, I guess, at this point. Well, oh, well it, those are Chanwich, so they're not. Yeah, or they're sorry, not uh, anyway. what does he make? Is he the making Madco. something? The Madcos, which aren't in production yet. I don't know if they've started okay. prototyping or not, though, so I don't. I can't they, speak for them on that front. But I believe I saw at least two Madcos. Um, there I were probably be, two, right? I believe there were two. I didn't okay. see any more than that, though. There were okay. still, like, demos. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say things about that, so I won't. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so who knows? But that is, with your slips, right, your cycle time, I think, is equivalent to mine, roughly, um, yeah, give, so give or the, take a minute or two. And I'm still dialing things in here and there. So let me preface all of this. My very first path with this, with this. So it's an inch and a half diameter keyway cutter. It's an eight, it's eighth inch thick on a half inch shank. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, about a half inch of, of, of radial depth of cut. Okay. It's like 16 teeth or something. And it's coated titanium or carbide, yada, yada, all the standard stuff. Right. I bought a ridiculously expensive milling chuck holder. Uh, it's a, Pioneer milling chuck. Pioneer. Never heard of them. They make nice stuff. Interesting. Um, it's like a four hundred dollar holder. Oh, oh my gosh! All right. Yeah, I didn't know the cost until I walked in there and went to pay. I'm like, oh, it's this much. I'm like, huh? <laughs> the wrench, the wrench for it was fifty dollars on top of that. Oh god. <laughs> and and yeah, that's, no, you know, lose yeah. that. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, they they did me a real solid by, by bringing the price down on the wrench to thirty eight dollars. Oh, jeez. Right. I'll, I'll water yeah. you one out of S35. It'll be fine. I, what if we start you. making wrenches, guys? Yeah, well, that's clearly where the market's at. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's the most rigid setup I could I could come up with, with short of getting a hydraulic holder. But the, the shanks on these things, they're just high-speed steel, and they don't even look like... They look blasted, honestly, the shanks of these things. So I don't yeah. trust their, their dimensions. I'm not I, sure. I, I thought they do that on purpose to add grip. I don't That's know. It's it, it's from Harvey. I'm sure they're holding an H6 tolerance or whatever the standard shank tolerance is. It just looks like kind of doo-doo, if I'm yeah. being honest. I, I like you're in this case, Million Chuck, I believe, is better than hydraulic because I think the, so. It has it has tons. I mean, like the the length of the clamping surface is like is, is like the pole holder almost. It's it, it's a long call it. Yeah, and yeah. hydraulics are notoriously not great for like roughing applications. And this isn't necessarily yeah. roughing, but it's it's kind of duty. Oh, it's roughing. Use. It's it's <laughs> it's it's roughing. All right. Uh, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> right. I I yep. know you, Dalen. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> anyway, is the width of cut you're taking in one oh, pass? All of it. 
all of it. Oh my god, are you serious? No, yeah, yeah, absolutely, all of it. Just take like ten cuts, but quicker, and it'll be way less scary. Or take one. So I mean... okay, <laughs> I'm gonna get there. I I will re I will address that here in a minute. Okay, yeah, keep going. Anyway, so one of the like rules of thumbs for Mill and Chucks. I'm, I don't know if you guys heard it. I've heard it a lot in my career as a machinist. I was even told this when I purchased this thing was you don't want to make these very tight. You want to go like just past hand tight with the wrench. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I guess has typically worked for me in the past. I hope so. I did that. Okay. And on the very first pass with this stupid thing, it spun it in the holder. Gosh. Got oh. it stuck in my material, alarmed the machine out because I don't even know why. That's impressive. Yeah, uh, which means now I have a machine that I had to restart that has a keyway cutter lodged into a piece of material that has to be homed before it can be jogged. Wait, it alarmed it to like a like that. State. It alarmed it, it. It alarmed it so bad that I had to restart the machine. Wow. Close your eyes and hit the home button. <laughs> it, would've, it would have snapped the plug more like close your eyes, plug your ears and hit the home button. So anyway, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I had to call the, cool. <laughs> yeah. I had to call my Miltronics uh, dealer and they told me how to get into the like the the service tech mode so I can move the machine without it being homed. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, got that all done again and I that ended up breaking off like one and a half teeth from my from my keyway cutter. Damn. And this oh, is yeah. like two hundred dollars. You oh, gotta man. start small, man. There's Never. there's no well bear with me. <laughs> I've I've done this before. I can't say why but i've done this before yeah successfully um and this is a less aggressive path than what i'd done in the past so i i cranked it down way harder in that in that mill and chuck like i i cranked it as if it's life depend like as if it owed me money mm-hmm. okay I, I, I don't know if that see i think there's <laughs> there's compromises daily no extreme binary one or zero yeah. <laughs> sounds good to me yeah i'm all bored uh-huh uh, which which worked, and then I I decided to run it again with fourteen and a half teeth instead of sixteen. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I mean, it's, now it's just a custom. To its custom credit, yeah. To it, it is kind of to its credit. It's it's working now. And um, you're still taking it in one pass. Yes. And it works. There are some things I wish I didn't know. Uh huh. I mean, it's only at like eighty percent spindle load. Okay, you can go up to like 200 and be fine. Like, it, <laughs> momentarily. Is great. Well, yeah. yeah. On a good face yep. mill, I've sent it past 200. Yep. It's, it's uh, it, it feels horrible, though. It's the worst sounding, worst feeling toolpath I've ever I've ever let go. Uh, are you just my, Mighty Biting? Uh, yeah, it? it's Mighty Bites, um, which haven't let go so far. Like, like it's it's all working. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've been playing with feeds and speeds. Uh, it wants 150 surface footage, which is 380 RPM. Yeah. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, big diameter. Moderately. Yeah. So I've tried everything from 380 RPM all the way up to 1200 RPM. Uh-huh. Which is what? Like 600 surface footage almost. Mm-hmm. If not more. Um, that was too much. That it turned it into a grinding wheel at that point. Do, oh, that's when you were sending sparks. Yes, um, through the what's, what's the torque ratio or torque curve? What? How do you say no that? Because that's I'm really worried. At anything below a thousand, I get a little bit worried. 
Oh yeah, I mean pegging it out. I mean, it hit 170 uh, percent spindle load at one point when I was running at 380 RPM. Jeez. Like when it alarmed out, I thought I slipped a belt. Yeah, yeah. Because it 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 threw an encoder error. Oh my gosh! So you oh, it oh. was not where it should have been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm I was like, work. I was horrified that I that I slipped a belt, but uh, I checked spindle orientation before doing a tool change, and it was fine. So I don't know. Anyway, long story, really long story, shorter. It works. It's not faster. The cycle time is like probably 15 to 18 minutes for one channel, mm-hmm. which is atrocious, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but it's but it's accurate as hell. You you cannot beat the accuracy. No, um, absolutely. Parallel within tenths. I mean, parallel within probably less than tenths. Mm-hmm. Oh, bang on dimension every single time. And it's only a two op part. So I'll gladly have the same cycle time or slower if it means I only have two operations and more accuracy. Yeah, I I very much appreciate the accuracy. Um, yes. A thought I had was I wanted to do just the pivots with the keyway and then turn it over to four and op three and do the and do the big channel okay. with the end mill because I think that'll actually be faster and I you like get the idea. accuracy from the keyway cutter. I didn't think of that. That's a really cool idea, actually. I like and that. And if you if you line them all up, you can stack your pivots like right next to each other and do it all in one pass, which means yeah. super speed. That's fair. I like that a lot. Uh, uh, okay. Now we're innovating. Yep. That, that's the only <laughs> way I think I would end up doing a keyway cutter because oh, I yeah. I just don't like doing the whole the full channel and it sucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> the recommended like like on the feeds and speeds chart for it, the recommended w- width of cut is like. 0.08 times diameter, which in this case is just under a hundred thou, I think. Right. Or just over a hundred thou, maybe. Which yeah. would be like four passes, four and a half, yeah, four-ish passes for the channel. Um, the problem is, I, I, I would have to actually draw the tool paths as a well, sketch. Well, that's not that hard. See, see, no, it's what not. I, what, what the problem is with taking big cuts with bigger and bigger tools. Is is like this can happen with an end mill, but it's much rarer. Is is one tooth is having to go so much farther distance, and it's keep making chips, so eventually oh, yeah. the tooth will clog up with material. Yep, these ones aren't, from what I can tell, with the chip size. And so you know, if you increase the RPM, you know it's like thinner chips, but then you have heat problems uh, or rubbing or whatever. Yeah, it's a balance, and I did find the balance that it likes. It's okay. uh, 715 RPM and three inches a minute. If you're curious. Okay. I'll what's the chip? <laughs> what's the chip or tooth on that? Uh, 380 and uh, five inches a minute is nine tenths chip load. Oh, so, so under that. half that. So twice would be four and a half. It's probably like 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 three t- three tenths chip load, which is about what I ran on the other thing that I did with the, with the keyway cutter and titanium. Yeah. I, am I silly in thinking that there is a chip thickening effect going on? Um, <laughs> I, I, because the cut is so long. Yeah. I am get I what wrong? you mean. Technically. Yes. I think. Okay. No, 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 Because chip thickness is based at like the widest diameter. It's based at like the tool. Like, yeah. Tangent. And, and so the, the chip can't get thicker than like yeah. the, like right 90 degree angle yep. 
digging in. Like, I don't but think the, it can get any thicker than it that. It can't get thicker, but it can increase the amount of volume of overall chip yeah. per, per, per cut. And so those chips exactly are rolling and, and might yeah. be breaking. And, and so you, you can clog it, but I, I don't think each individual chip or, or a section of that long chip, I, I don't think yep. it ever gets thicker than uh, yeah the default setting. Okay. That's, no, that's fair. I think I'm thinking of it kind of backwards, but yep. yes. But yeah, um, it's not clogging, fortunately. Uh, it's it's going to be a viable solution. I think I'm going to get pretty good tool life because I'm already eight parts deep on this absolutely just beat up and destroyed keyway cutter. And it's yeah. still giving me good tolerances and decent finish. That's awesome. I'm, I, I'm I, excited for that. I think for tool life, you still want to do multiple passes. I've thought about it. I might. I also might not. I'm a very stubborn man. Have you guys seen uh, the Fireball Tool YouTube channel? Yes, yeah. I, I I quite enjoy him. Yeah, me too. Oh uh, yeah, he makes great videos. Did he do the thing where he tested angle grinding cutoff blades to see like if you should do like light passes multiple times or yeah, or, like heavy passes cutting all I the way saw through? That one. I I think it was him and uh, and the the like cutoff blades for the angle grinder they lasted like forty times as long or something crazy if you did like a few passes instead of just cutting all the way through. Uh, yeah, that's also a grinding wheel. Yeah. It's well, what my point is, bit. like, I think we all know that like high speed machining techniques can lead to fast, uh, better tool life than like slotting, obviously. Correct. Um, or or even taking half the end mill, doing like a bunch of you know, twenty percent diameter, ten percent diameter stuff like that. Right. Um, but it's crazy that even with like grinding wheels, that kind of applies. Yeah, but this is. This is a slightly different situation in the fact that time in the cut also directly translates to tool life. Yeah. And if I'm going to have to do four times as many passes, um, that's going to be four times the, the, the tool engagement, basically. I, the reason I think, and you know, you're right, it is very different. I don't, I could be totally wrong. The reason I think it matters is I think uh, each cut that's like a smaller cut is uh less heat taking, sure. le- taking smaller cuts is just going to be less heat than a more engagement that true i mean i have felt the part immediately after it finished a cut like while it while it was still next to the part um everything was a- absolutely cold i even touched the the keyway cutter while it was spinning yeah <laughs> but cold. like i mean i don't um, know maybe, maybe tool life will be completely fine either way it's, it's just I'm, like yeah i don't know Oh, mainly because mine is currently destroyed because of the very first pass. Yeah. So yeah. I haven't had a good reference to gauge off of yet. Um, what was I going to say? If I heard chatter, it'd be a different story. I'd be backing it off immediately. However, there hasn't been any chatter yet, which means it's rigid enough to be functional. This would still be way better on like a, like a 50 taper machine. A big oh, yeah. old box with a 50 taper. It would tear through this so easy. Well, the, yeah. the ideal thing for all of these is like an, a true old school horizontal, like yep. a, a double supported, oh, whatever yeah. they call them. Because that's yep. what uh, Indiana John. Yeah, that's what Indiana John uses, and he's just mm-hmm. doing it all day long. Mm-hmm. I'm so jealous. And those old <laughs> horizontals, they'd put like multiple in a row and do like 10 parts at once. Yeah. Yeah. And he's using like old high speed steel uh, keyways, too. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that man's he, he's awesome. I love he's, him. He's great. His shop is. is like a wet dream <laughs> for yeah for, for manual machinists yeah yep uh hey david you want to 
summarize your week? Because we're, I think, over yeah, time. Yeah, I just realized how <laughs> over we are. Oh, I've uh, I've done... I'm just doing so many, like, small, boring things that, like, I wish I could say I was doing more exciting things. So I've made some handles. I've got some more stuff being anodized. I, uh, um, you know, tried some new handle patterns. And uh, I'm trying to figure out, I think I'm, like, sort of settled on, like, packaging stuff. I had to do some more patent things. I found out, like, because it never ends with the patent stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't, apparently, I'm not going to find out if I got accepted or rejected for another three years, it sounds like. Oh, my God. Wait, <laughs> wait, but you can get, like, patent pending. Oh, I'm already patent pending. Um, okay, yeah. I've been patent pending for basically a year already. Right. Okay. Um, uh, so, uh, but, yeah, I, I, um, I'm trying to work on, uh, setting up stuff like in a way that's hopefully semi-permanent for like product photography. Okay. Uh, so I can hopefully, I just, I want to take at least for a while, I want to take like a, an individual photo of every pair of scissors. Um, Cause they're all, will probably be sort of different and they're all going to, mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty slow at first. Okay. Um, yeah. And, a- and I'm hoping I found someone for uh, manufacturing blades besides me i'm still gonna do it for a while but uh there's some promising stuff there as well nice so just lots of little things and hopefully hopefully i still want to try to sell one uh i was hoping to sell last month i'm hoping to sell this month and that's how the story's been for like three years or whatever just do it uh well um i'll talk to you guys after we start recording uh there's there's still a couple things i want to figure out and like the the but well this isn't what I was going to talk to you about, but I also, I'm trying to just put together like a few that I know everything is good and that it's like all done in the same process. Mm-hmm. If, if that makes sense, because um, I just, I just really don't want to like send something out and be like, you know, what exactly was the tolerance of this? You know, what, how did this work? Like, I don't want to question. That's why like people ask to like buy my prototypes and stuff. And at this point, I I probably could, but for so long, it's like I just need to go back and look at them because yeah, I think with like a regular butterfly knife or whatever, things are kind of figured out. It's like oh, this is a good pivot diameter tolerance, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But but my stuff is like so dependent on like what I'm trying, and and it's like so different than anything uh, that it like changes as I get better. Um, like what the tolerances should be or can be, uh, cause there's like lots of tolerance stacking going on, uh-huh. uh, which is bad and sucks. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, so I'm just trying to make a few more, uh, in the same way and, and, uh, things have slowed me down. You guys know about some of it. I've just had, uh, yeah. different personal stuff, a bunch of personal stuff last month too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good though. Nice. I feel like yeah. I've actually been able to dedicate myself without distractions much more in the last week or two. That's, That's good. Very nice. That is huge. Yeah. So, uh, should we wrap it up? All Let's right. do it. Okay. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks Bye. for listening. <laughs>